Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome in to this late night edition of the Pump Fake. Jarrett Bailey with you as always on this very program. So much to talk about today. By the way, cold day in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 20 degrees, snowed today. I think it was the first snowfall we've had. So really getting into that uh, that time of year, man. So it's a nice time of year, though. Hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. Um, on the agenda for tonight. Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, the complete just asinine takes, the disrespect that still keeps coming their way, and why both Brandon Staley and Sean McDermott both need to be handed their pink slips. If not right now, definitely in the offseason. Um, and that's what I'm going to start with. We'll also talk a little bit about the Steelers, Kenny Pickett's performance, um, and what Pittsburgh looked like in their first week without Matt Canada. So we'll dive into all that. Also, C.J. Stroud and Trevor Lawrence put on a clinic. We could be looking at the next great quarterback rivalry of the next decade. We're going to see them play each other twice a year, hopefully for a very long time, because both of them are fantastic. But I do want to start with Allen and Herbert. Because today, yesterday, today, you know, over the past couple of days since since Sunday, it, it seems like it's everybody's favorite activity on all the major networks that when the Chargers lose or when the Bills lose, automatically in a lot of these people's minds, it's, oh, Josh Allen's just not great. Oh, nah, Justin Herbert, he, he's just not great. Got to blame Josh Allen. Got to blame Justin Herbert, right? Bills are six and six. Chargers are winning four and four and seven. Four and eight. So four wins for the Chargers. I mean, my goodness, Justin Herbert, what are you doing? Yet, what they fail to realize is that Josh Allen is third in the NFL in passing yards. Justin Herbert's ninth. Josh Allen leads the NFL in total touchdowns. First in the league in passing touchdowns. Justin Herbert's fourth. Josh Allen's third in the league in QBR. Justin Herbert is fifth. Josh Allen's also third in the league in EPA, second in success rate. You look at their stat lines on the year, 24 touchdown passes, 13 picks for for Josh Allen, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 96 passer rating for Justin Herbert. Both of them have played fantastic football this season. Oh, but Jared, oh, Josh Allen, those those interceptions, the turnovers, those gosh darn turnovers, those godforsaken turnovers. We need to stop with this. It's one thing if if a quarterback is throwing thirty picks like James Winston did a few years ago, but let's stop acting like Josh Allen is like running away in terms of his turnover percentage in the league. 
Like, can we stop doing that? Because if you look at it at, on a per attempt basis, so right now he has a 3% interception percentage. Tua Tungavailoa has a 2.7, which is the same as Jordan Love. And Jalen Hurts has a 2.8. So let's stop pretending that Josh Allen is turning the ball over on like a far more consistent basis than the other top quarterbacks in the league that get praised. Like Jalen Hurts is racking up empty net goal touchdown runs by getting to the one yard line and having three players shove his ass into the end zone. And everybody's praising him as a God and looking at him as the MVP favorite right now. Yet he's got a 2.8 interception percentage. So he's got 358 attempts and a 2.8 interception percentage. Josh Allen has 433 pass attempts this season. And even Darius Slay, I believe it was after the game, he he rushed to the defense of Josh Allen saying, I don't know why the media gets on Josh Allen so much. The dude's good. And he's asked to do so much. Josh Allen is expected to be judge, jury, and executioner for the Buffalo Bills. So naturally, if he's asked to do that much, and he's throwing the ball more, a lot more than the average quarterback, I believe he's third in the NFL in attempts right now. Yeah, he's going to naturally have a few more turnovers. But it's not as if he's doing it at such a higher rate than anybody else in the league. Before Jimmy Garoppolo got benched, he had an interception percentage that was north of five. That's a problem. But Josh Allen is not the problem in Buffalo. And anybody who woke up this morning or woke up yesterday morning who actually watched that game and said, oh, it's Josh Allen's fault. I don't know what the hell to tell you. People I respect, too. I respect Marcus Spears. I respect Ryan Clark. But these asinine takes about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert too, but more to an extent of Allen. Where it's just hate thrown his way for no reason. Both of these guys' way. We've seen all the stats about the Chargers and how like they are a perfect equilibrium since Justin Herbert came into the league. He scored as many points as his defense has allowed. How's that Justin Herbert's fault? How is it his fault? That a few weeks ago when they're facing the Detroit Lions, he puts up 40 points and his defense gives up. They still lose because his defense can't stop anybody, which isn't a rare occurrence. This isn't the fault of Josh Allen. It's not the fault of Justin Herbert. It's the fault of their teams. The hardest thing to do in the NFL is find a great quarterback. Now, the Chargers have failed much more to an extent than the Bills have because the Bills have had success. They've gotten to the playoffs. They've made deep playoff runs. They've gotten to an AFC championship game. The Chargers are failing Justin Herbert because you look at his numbers since he came into the league. They are consistently great and consistently among the best in the NFL. And Brandon Staley's defense has consistently let him down. The hardest thing to do in the NFL is find a great quarterback. And the Chargers did it. And they got almost everything else wrong. 
And if you saw that, you know, that picture of uh, Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert after their loss to the Lions a few weeks ago, where they're just kind of dapping each other up and looking defeated. Yeah, they know that it doesn't doesn't seem to matter how good they are, or how many points they put up. It doesn't matter because the guy in charge, Brandon Staley, isn't getting the job done. And as of late, neither is Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Because for all the naysayers of Josh Allen and who will still point to him and say, LOL, an interception. Let's look at three of their losses this season for Buffalo. Because three of their losses have come to the Patriots, the Broncos, and the Eagles. What do all three of those losses have in common? Josh Allen gave them a lead with less than two minutes left. And Sean McDermott and the defense blew it. And you can point out all of Josh Allen's numbers. You can point out the turnovers even and say, oh, man, it's got to come down. Josh Allen didn't let Mac Jones look like Joe Montana and march down the field and score with 10 seconds left. Josh Allen didn't have 12 guys in the field when the Broncos missed a field goal, leading to another field goal that they eventually made. Josh Allen didn't tuck his tail and go into overtime with 20 seconds and a timeout left against Philadelphia. Josh Allen also didn't play very conservative defense against the Philadelphia Eagles, playing very soft coverage on a third and four that led to an easy completion to Devontae Smith and then eventually led to the easiest quarterback draw for a touchdown Jalen Hurts will ever have in his career because Sean McDermott didn't see what everybody else in the stadium saw coming. Sean McDermott and Brandon Staley are letting down Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Now, it's more likely that Brandon Staley's gone before 2024. Sean McDermott needs to go, too. Because the Bills have reached their ceiling with this. And this isn't new. For the past 22 months, ever since the playoff game against the Chiefs, the 13 seconds play, where you know they're winning and the Chiefs march down the field in two plays, kick a field goal, go to overtime, Josh Allen doesn't touch the ball again. Ever since then, all Sean McDermott has done is find scapegoats. Oh, 13 seconds, the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs still win the game. Fire Leslie Frazier, or mutual parting of the ways with, Les, with Leslie Frazier. Brian Dable leaves and the offense isn't quite as good. Fire Ken Dorsey. Yeah, that'll, that'll solve the issues. Well, now they're 6-6. Six and six. Sure as hell isn't the quarterback's fault. And Sean McDermott has run out of people to fire. And at this point, the bells are tolling again. And it's time for Sean McDermott to be the one who pays the ferryman. And it's time for him to be the one who gets axed. Because he's fired everybody else that there is to fire and blame everybody else that there is to blame. I think Bill Spence are going to blame Josh Allen. They sure as hell, they're, they're a hell of a lot smarter than that. You got at worst the third best quarterback in the league. You think they're going to blame Josh Allen for all their mishaps? Hell no. Nor should they, because it's not on Josh Allen. You think the Los Angeles Chargers are going to blame Justin Herbert, who on his worst day is what the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the league? Hell no. Because they're smarter than that, too. And they know, oh my goodness, Brandon Staley is not the guy. Because you look at their defensive efficiency since he took over as head coach, they are a bottom five defense in the league. With a guy, by the way, who's supposed to be some defensive prodigy. Bonafide defense in the league. Their fans are smarter than that. The Bills fans are smarter than that, too. 
And for all, everybody's saying, oh, look at the history of Bill's coaches, Sean McDermott's one. It's one thing, you know, in 2018, when they finally reached the playoffs and got up with Josh Allen, not the Tyron year, but they finally broke that seal. It's one thing to do that. But they can no longer be complacent being relevant. Stands, standards are far too high. Okay, they're no longer the lovable underdog that everybody just wants to see, you know, break a playoff streak or you know, break a streak in which they didn't make the playoffs and everybody's rooting for them. No, they have Super Bowl or bust expectations. And when you have a very conservative defensive head coach in today's NFL, that's not going to get the job done. And so we can look at the history of Bill's coaches, you know, with Doug Marone and Rex Ryan and the likes of that, and rightfully point, okay, they didn't get the job and Sean McDermott's done much better than them. Sure, but that doesn't that doesn't take away the fact that they've hit their ceiling. Okay, you can't just be complacent getting to the playoffs and winning a game or two in the playoffs and you know, maybe getting to an AFC championship game every few years. That's not the standard anymore. At least it can't, it shouldn't be. And for the Chargers, Brandon Staley should have been gone before this season. Because he finally gets to the playoffs with this generational quarterback. And then they blow one of, they have one of the largest collapses in the history of the NFL playoffs. But Joe Lombardi was the only scapegoat. Really. Now, Joe Lombardi needed to go, but so did Brandon Staley. Weston chiming in. Where's Matt Verderam when you need him? Hey, Verderam has his opinions about Justin Herbert. He's a little bit more of, he's not a Justin Herbert doubter, I wouldn't say, but I think that he is on the boat of, okay, he, he should be doing more. And that's a fair opinion to have. However, he would also very much be sitting up here telling you right now that Brandon Staley shouldn't have come back and that more of this is on Staley than it is Herbert. And with the Josh Allen stuff too, he would be talking up the turnovers and everything. And well, you know what? Yeah, I see Weston chiming in about the Bills. Yes, he would absolutely be against me on this right now. And that's fine. Verdera is my guy. I love him to death. One of my first mentors in this business. I love him. I disagree with him and the fact that, you know, these, that this is a crisis for Josh Allen and his interception numbers. I just don't buy it. Would you like to see that number be lower? Absolutely. No one wants to see, you know, a quarterback lead the, lead the league in picks. But a ton of great quarterbacks have done it. But their teams are still successful because they also make five to six plays a game that help them win games. And I'll take a guy who's going to turn the ball over a few more times than the average quarterback, but is also going to make a few more great plays than the average quarterback to swing the momentum in my advantage. Peyton Manning, several years where he had 16 interceptions, 17 interceptions. Ben Roethlisberger had a few of those years too. Drew Brees had a couple years where he threw a lot of picks. Obviously, Brett Favre did too. Great ones usually, you know, when they believe in themselves and they're asked to do more, they're going to have a little bit of an uptick in turnovers. But guess what? They're still going to be the teams that are around in January because they make the plays that keep you around in January. So would Bert Ram be pushing back a little bit on my 
on my Josh Hunter and everything, probably. But um, yeah, I, mean, I would just have to agree to disagree on that. But thanks for for tuning in on the late night, Weston. I do I do appreciate it. Um, and I know that you know where if you're watching this on YouTube, you know you see the thumbnail. This is going to be a pretty heavy show where I focus on this, <laughs> but. It is just very frustrating when, like, watching watching the Bills Eagles game, seeing Josh Allen throw the touchdown pass to Gabe Davis with little time left. I don't think there was a Bills fan watching at home that was confident that they were going to hold on for the win because they'd seen they'd seen this movie a hundred times before, where the defense is too conservative. Now, granted, <laughs> the game was tied on a fifty-nine yard field goal. And Jake Elliott deserves all the credit in the world for, for making the kick in those conditions. But we can't put this all on Josh Allen. Even in overtime, he had a wide open Gabe Davis on a choice route. And for whatever reason, with no safety help in the middle of the field, Gabe Davis ran to the pylon. Now, Joe, Joe Brady, offensive coordinator for the Bills, said all the right things afterwards. He, he took the blame for it, but he knows that that was Gabe Davis's fault. Gabe Davis is a serious football player, by the way. Like, what the hell is Josh Allen supposed to do? It's Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, more as of late, Dalton Kincaid, and a bunch of cereal boxes out there. Like, what the hell is Allen supposed to do? And defensively, obviously, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. But... Like I said, injuries didn't make Sean McDermott put 12 people on the field during a missed kick. Injuries didn't prevent J Sean McDermott from stopping Mac Jones of all people. Okay. And injuries didn't make Sean McDermott tuck his tail with 20 seconds left in a timeout and decide to go to overtime rather than using his transformer that he has a quarterback and trusting him to lead the team down the field with the elements that he had, because we've seen him do it before. We saw him do it last Thanksgiving against Detroit. So Brandon Staley needs to go for the Chargers, and I think he's going to. Sean McDermott also needs to go for the Bills, because in an offseason where it's likely, or at least at the very least possible, that Ben Johnson is going to take a head coaching job, you don't think that he would like to have Josh Allen at his disposal? And if he is interested in becoming head coach, because some guys just enjoy drawing up plays and you know are content being coordinators, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if he does want a head coaching job, and both the Chargers and Bills are available, I mean, for a guy like Ben Johnson, you're not going to get many years like that where you're going to have two quarterbacks like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen that are available for you to go to. And if you're Buffalo, like you got to do something different. Like it's kind of like when, uh, like here in America, where, like when we have a uh, a Republican president and things aren't going great, then we usually go to a Democrat president. Or if we have a Democrat for eight years, it's very rare that we get a Democrat in the next election. Right now, right now the Bills need their Democrat. They've had a conservative for far too long. Things don't seem to be working. Let's go get somebody more progressive. All right, let's go get somebody who's more innovative on offense and is going to uh, help Josh Allen more than what we've seen with, with Ken Dorsey and, and Joe Brady's done a nice job credit to Joe Brady over the past few weeks, but they need somebody else in charge. So I'll put a bow on it there. 
I know I said I was going to get into a few more things. Um, but moral of that rant being Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are the two most disrespected quarterbacks in the NFL. And I would argue right now, even with the record, Josh Allen is should still be in the MVP conversation because it's very clear that without him, the Bills are what, a two-win team, maybe. And without the without Justin Herbert, the Chargers are a two-win team, maybe. And for everybody who wants to try to find a way to blame both of their respective teams or their respective struggles on the quarterbacks, I don't know what to tell you, man, because you're just wrong at that point, just incorrect. But I do want to talk about Kenny Pickett um, and the Steelers because that was a big news story of last week. The Steelers moving on from Matt Canada, the first time they fired a, co- a coach of any sort midseason since 1941. Um, and credit to interim offensive coordinator Eddie Faulkner and quarterbacks coach and play caller Mike Sullivan for making it clear right off the bat that they were going to be they were going to do things differently than what Matt Canada did. Because if you look at Kenny Pickett's passing charts throughout the season, specifically over the past two weeks, the middle of the field hasn't been utilized at all. And apparently Luke Getze and Matt Canada went to the same offensive play calling school. Because if you look at Justin Fields passing charts from, from last night against Minnesota, it was a lot of screens and short passes outside and just really really weird use of, of the field given to them. But credit to Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan because the first play from scrimmage for the Steelers, they ran a play action pass to Pat Fryermuth uh, over the middle, which gained 24 yards. And Pat Fryermuth had a huge day. He led the NFL in receiving yards in week 12. He had nine catches for a buck 24. He played great. Kenny Pickett made a lot of really nice throws. Um, he had a, a really nice throw to Deontay Johnson in the end zone that Deontay Johnson dropped, which isn't weird. Like that's, that's a problem that's played in his entire career. Um, and by the way, let's talk about that play that went viral. Because on the very next play, Deontay Johnson couldn't be bothered to give a damn and just slept walk through a play where Jalen Warren fumbled. Deontay Johnson just kind of looked at it. And the Bengals picked it up and ran the other way. And Mike Tomlin was talking about it today in his presser. And he said that that's something that Deontay Johnson would have to answer for. It won't shock me if the Steelers move off Deontay Johnson because for a guy who isn't afraid to speak his mind, he also has a lot of plays like this where drops are still an issue sometimes and he lets his emotions get the best of him. And frankly, right now, overall, George Pickens is the more important receiver in in that offense. So it won't surprise me if they move off him, send him to a place like Kansas City, who... Patrick Mahomes would love to have a, De- a Deontay Johnson when you look at the rest of that receiving room. They need a de facto number one who can win on the outside. Um, but that's a, a different conversation for the offseason that, that I'll say for then. But Kenny Pickett made a lot of nice throws. Um, he hit George Pickens on a slot fade to the outside of game 43. He hit Deontay Johnson on a, on a go route on the outside that game 39. He made a lot of nice throws over the middle of the field. This was his most complete game as a pro. He went 24 of 33 for 278. It's not enough, like obviously one good game doesn't cancel out 20 bad ones, but it was promising to see. And as a Steelers fan who covers the team, um, that was promising to see from, you know, 
the first game without Matt Canada, things were immediately different with the passing game. And the Steelers gained 400 yards of offense for the first time since week two of 2020. So it was nice to see the Steelers change things offensively, make actual changes, changes that fans didn't expect to see in season. Like we were all fully prepared to endure the rest of the season with Matt Canada being the play caller. But I think after the Cleveland game where Najee Harris was very outspoken about how he felt, uh, Deontay Johnson was very outspoken during the game about how he felt. Uh, Kenny Pickett was visibly pissed with, with, with how things were going after the game. So changes needed to be made. The Steelers made them. They still only put up 16 points, which you want to see more points on the board, but it was a step in the right direction for Pittsburgh and really something that they needed to do. Um, we had an all-out battle in the AFC South where C.J. Stroud keeps putting up incredible numbers. He's second in the NFL in passing yards right now. 19 touchdown passes, but Trevor Lawrence is playing with something to prove. And I think a lot of that stemmed from the fact that a, they already lost to the Houston Texans early in the season. Not only did they lose, they got beat pretty handedly. And there are a lot of people questioning Trevor Lawrence and, you know, getting really, really infatuated with, with CJ Stroud and how well he's playing and asking questions. Oh my goodness, is CJ Stroud now the best quarterback in the AFC South? And I think that Trevor Lawrence took that a little bit personally and went out with a, uh, with something to prove. And he threw for 364 yards on a touchdown, had a passer rating of 90 and made a lot of really good throws that put the Jaguars in position, position to win. Now CJ Stroud made a bunch of really good throws as well. He had, there was a pass where he had like 70 air yards under it and connected to tank Dell and stride downfield that I believe was taken away by a penalty for the illegal formation. And that caused a lot of controversy because people were trying to figure out what was wrong with the formation. But regardless, these are two very special quarterbacks. We are very lucky to get to see them twice a year, hopefully for the next decade. You know, we, we had Manning Brady for a long time, but it wasn't every year. It wasn't twice a year. There's going to be times potentially where we get to see CJ Stroud and Trevor Lawrence play each other three times if they meet the playoffs which is very exciting because looking at how both of them have played this season, um, they're special quarterbacks. The numbers might not look great uh, for Trevor Lawrence um, in terms of the raw statistics, um, but make no mistake about it. He has been very good, especially as of late. Um, if we go, I mean, we will go from, from week six in terms of EPA. Let me get this pulled up real quick. Just out of curiosity to see how both guys are doing um, over the past few weeks last month and a half or so of the NFL season because Trevor Lawrence the offense started off slow for for the Jaguars but since week six he's eighth in the NFL in EPA plus CPOE composite if we look just at if this loads for me if I can do just EPA per play right now since week six EPA per play is at a 0.209 so he has played really well ever since the ever since week six so over the past about month and a half or so and cj stroud's been great too because if you look at cj stroud he's sixth in the nfl in epa plus cpo week composite score since then so both guys have been playing really well and we're very lucky to have to be able to see them for the next 10 years go head to head at least twice a season it's going to be a lot of fun um we'll be back with ben heisler later on in the week probably this saturday or friday to do the best bet show uh, I'll do just a general preview show as well for week 13. 
the first weekend in December, which is incredibly exciting as we gear up toward Christmas. The NFL season goes by fast, folks. Um, we're already in week 13. So really potentially a good game on Thursday night between Dallas and Seattle. Um, so a lot coming, and it's going to be uh, a very interesting week going forward. So appreciate you all tuning in. If you're watching this live, uh, again, it's a late night. It's 11.28 Eastern time right now, so I appreciate you all watching it live. Uh, I was going to save it for the morning, but kind of just had a lot that I wanted to say. So I figured I'd do it now, put it up as a podcast. So if you're waking up to this, thank you for listening to it as a podcast. If you're waking up and watching it, thanks for waking up and watching it. And if you're watching it live on YouTube or Twitter, uh, thanks for watching it live. I appreciate it. Again, we'll be back later on in the week to do the, the best bet show with Ben Heisler. Uh, Jen, you know, just a general preview show as well. So two more shows coming before the week's done. Going to be very busy here on the pump fix. Subscribe to the channel as well. We're almost at 500 subscribers, the little, <laughs> this little show that could. So I appreciate y'all for, for doing that. Um, yeah, we'll be back later on in the week and, uh, thanks for tuning in if you have, and we'll see you later on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.